0: Good morning, church. It is so incredibly good to be with you again. As I always try to remind you, I love you, and I appreciate you, and I'm so incredibly thankful for you. Last week, we sent out a survey to the church family here at McDermott Road, and when we got the results back. We were all so very encouraged that most people, the vast majority of our congregation, are doing very well, both financially and physically, during all of this COVID-19 lockdown, we were so incredibly thankful to see how well everyone was doing, but there are several of our members that are struggling during this time. And we want you to know if you are one of our members that's struggling in any way, please reach out to us and let us know how we can help you. I often remind people that we cannot do for you. We cannot help you in ways that we're not aware of. So you have to let us know. And we want you to let us know because we're family and we want to carry each other's burden. So go to our website at ccmcdermott.org slash prayer. But we also want you to know that if you're not a member here at the Church of Christ on McDermott Road, we wanna know about your struggles as well. We wanna know how we might be able to reach out to you, how we might be able to help you, how we might be able to pray for you. So whether you're a member here or you're just joining us online, maybe even for the first time, we want you to know that we wanna walk through this crisis with you. We wanna help you in any way we can. So go to our website at ccmcdermott.org slash prayer and let us know how we can help you in tangible ways, or how we can lift up prayers on your behalf. We are in the middle of a series right now called Resurrected Living, and we're talking about the resurrection, but we're talking about going beyond just believing that the resurrection is true. In fact, last week we said this. We said there's a certain lifestyle attached to believing in the empty tomb. If we believe that the tomb is empty, if we believe that the Son of God not only offered himself as an atoning sacrifice for our sins and that God raised him from the dead, but that he reigns as King of kings and Lord of lords, if we believe that's true, there is a certain lifestyle. There's a certain way of living that's attached to that belief system. If we believe this is true, then we ought to live a certain way. And last week, we talked about primarily how we think. If we believe in the empty tomb, if we believe that Jesus is raised, has been raised, if we believe that he lives, if we believe that he reigns, then how should we think. Paul says in Colossians 3 that we should focus on, set our minds on, seek the things that are above in the places where Jesus is, where he is at the right hand of God, rather than on earthly things. But we also have to go beyond just how we think, and we also have to talk about how do we live? What are the things that we do, and what are the things that we don't do if we believe in the empty tomb. And if we believe in the empty tomb and we believe that our lifestyle, our way of living has to be transformed, what's going to bring about that transformation? What really brings about the transformation from the old person, the person we were before we believed in Jesus, to the new person, the person we are now that we believe that the tomb is empty That Jesus lives and Jesus reigns. What brings about that transformation? The church in Colossae, and that's what we're looking at the book of Colossians, and Paul is writing to this church family. And there are false teachers that are teaching in Colossae that the, the transformation is brought about by this knowledge or maybe even these certain rules. Don't eat these certain kinds of foods. Or don't do anything that's pleasurable. Or maybe don't get married. Don't do this and don't do this. Don't taste this. Don't touch that. Don't do these things. And that that transformation comes about by observing and submitting to these rules and regulations. Paul not only rebukes the, those who are teaching this, but he also rebukes the church for submitting to these rules and regulations. Look, if you will, at Colossians chapter 2 and verse 20. Paul says, If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings, these have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Oh. Pay attention to what Paul says here. He says that they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. The rules and the regulations are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Rules have no power to conquer sin. Jesus has the power to conquer sin. Rules do not have the power to conquer sin. And I think there's application for us today as Christians. There are far too many of us as Christians and probably far too many churches where we spend more time preaching rules than we do preaching Jesus. We spend more time preaching, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch than we do preaching Jesus If we spend more time preaching rules than we preach Jesus, we are not preaching the gospel. The gospel is not a set of rules. The gospel is not a set of regulations. The gospel is the good news that the tomb is empty and Jesus, the Son of God, reigns as King of kings and Lord of lords. That's the gospel. That's the good news. Paul says, if you spend your time preaching, do not taste, do not touch, do not handle. If you spend your time preaching these rules, it sounds good. It has the appearance of wisdom, but it has no power to stop the indulgence of the flesh. These rules cannot conquer sin. Only Jesus can conquer sin. Embracing the good news is what changes our lives adopting the resurrection as our framework for living is what brings transformation adopting let me say that one more time adopting the resurrection as our framework is what transforms our life see some people have asceticism you know what that is right it's doing all of these rules don't do anything that's pleasurable Don't do anything that's pleasurable, nothing that feels good. Only do what's strict and what doesn't feel good. And that asceticism is their framework for living. On the other extreme would be those who adopt hedonism as their framework for living. Only do what's pleasurable. Only do what feels good. There are others who adopt more of pragmatism as their framework of living. Only do what leads to and results in what you want to get out of things. Only do what's practical. But the gospel, the good news, invites us to embrace and adopt the resurrection. The resurrection as our framework for living. That's exactly what Paul is talking about in this context. He says, if you died to the elemental spirits of the world, Then then why are you submitting these things? And then he goes on in the text we read last week, Colossians 3 in verse 1. If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Again, adopting, adopting the resurrection as your framework for your identity, for your lifestyle. Who am I? Well, I am one who has died to the things of this earth and who has been raised up to live with Jesus, a totally different, a totally new, a renewed human being with a new lifestyle. Not just someone who believes that Jesus has been raised, but somebody who has adopted the resurrection as the framework for their entire life. Look at what he goes on to say in verse 5. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Two things that I want us to recognize. First, First, we have to recognize that Food isn't the problem. The the people in Colossae were were trying to encourage the Christians there, the church there, don't eat these kinds of foods. Don't do these kinds of activities. Don't touch this. Don't touch that. Don't, Don't handle this. As if the problem was in those things. As if the problem was in the food. And how many times have we in our lifetimes made rules about certain things, as if the problem was in that thing, as if you touch that thing and that's what's going to make you sinful. But Paul wants them to recognize, he says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly, where? In you. That's where the problem lies. We have to recognize that the problem lies in me. I have to deal with the problem in me. It's not just about don't touch this or don't taste that or don't go there or don't do this. Th- it's about the problem that exists in me, the earthly desires. We talked about last week. We talked about, what do we say, treasure and pleasure and power. That these desires exist in my heart. That's the first thing we have to recognize. If our lives are going to be transformed in keeping with the resurrection, then I have to recognize that the earthly desires, the real problem of sin exists in my heart. And that's where it has to be what? Put to death. That the earthly things that exist in me, the earthly things that exist in you have to be put to death. That's what I mean when I say we have to adopt the resurrection as our framework for life. Who are we? Who are we called to be? What sort of lifestyle should we live as followers of Jesus who believe in the empty tomb? Well, Paul says, if you believe in the empty tomb, if you've been raised up with Jesus, then you are going to have to mortify. You are going to have to put to death. You're going to have to execute, bring to an end, the desires in you that are earthly. The desires that, that elevate and idolize idolize when you covet something when you covet wealth when you covet power you are making an idol of that thing but when you celebrate Jesus and the fullness that we have in Jesus then you realize that those things have nothing to offer you You don't have to have rules about all of these things because you recognize that those things are powerless. You recognize that they have nothing real to offer you. And when you recognize that these things, the sin that goes with them, the sin that you have to undertake to acquire them, you recognize that none of that has anything to offer you, that you have everything you need in Jesus. And that's how you mortify, that's how you put to death those things that are earthly in you, sexual immorality and impurity and passion and evil desires and covetousness. Then he says in verse six, on account of these things, on account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. Notice the way Paul talks about this earthly way of living, that it's something that has to be put to death. And here he uses the phrases, put it away and put it off, as if this old self is like dirty, defiled clothes, that have to be stripped off and thrown away. All of it, it has nothing to offer you. There's no value in being this person anymore. There's no value in living this way. All of these things have nothing to offer you because you have fullness. You have fulfillment in the risen and reigning Lord. And because you embrace the empty tomb you also embrace the resurrection as your framework for living. And you say, I'm gonna put to death the things that are earthly in me. I'm gonna put these things away. Anger and wrath and malice, slander and obscene talk from our mouths and lying to each other. Because I'm done with that. I'm done with that way of living. I'm done with that way of being. We all struggle with these things, don't we? We still continue to struggle with them. But if we think that it's just a matter of rules that's going to bring about transformation, we misunderstand what transforms people. Those rules have the appearance of wisdom, self-made religion and asceticism, but they are powerless to stop the indulgence of the flesh. If you want to change your lifestyle, you have to adopt the resurrection as your mental framework for how you're going to live. You have to see yourself as a person that every time these desires rear their ugly heads in your heart, every time covetousness, every time immorality, every time impurity, Every time wrath, every time anger, every time a desire to be malicious towards somebody, every time it pops up, you say, I have a duty. I have the pleasure, the responsibility to put that to death, to execute it, to say, I don't want to live that way anymore. I don't want to be the kind of person that even harbors that in my heart. I want to put it away. I want to take it off. I want to strip it off and put it away and put it to death. And then he says in a more positive light, verse 10, and have and have put on the new self. So we put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here, there is not Greek, and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Again, put off the old self and put on the new self that is being, listen to this phrase, it is being renewed in knowledge. It's this knowledge, church. It's this knowledge that brings about renewal. Rules don't bring about renewal. Regulations don't bring about renewal. Jesus didn't just come to offer us a new set of rules. Jesus came to offer us the knowledge of who he is and his love and his faithfulness, his conquering of sin and death, his reigning as king of kings and lord of lords. And it's this knowledge, this knowledge of the good news This knowledge of the spirit who lives within you that brings about renewal. Paul's prayer for the church at Colossae is that they wouldn't allow themselves to submit to, to be enslaved by these rules and regulations that had the appearance of wisdom and godliness. You seem very pious when you're a rule follower, right? But the rules themselves cannot conquer sin. They cannot bring transformation. They cannot bring renewal. No philosophy, no philosophy, no framework outside of the gospel of Jesus Christ can bring renewal and transformation. The only thing that's going to bring that renewal is the knowledge of the creator who has done all of these things for you. And then he says, we're not going to be the kind of Place or the kind of people that are saying, well, I'm a Jew and you're a Gentile. I'm circumcised. You're uncircumcised. You're a barbarian. You're a Scythian. You, you are uncivilized people. He says, no, but Christ is all. Christ is all that matters. He's the only one that matters. And Christ is in all. He is in us and He is in everything. And knowing this and accepting this and embracing this is what brings this sort of transformation. Then he says in verse 12, again, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Now again, he's telling them to put on all of these practices not as if they're just rules to follow or regulations to observe or a philosophy to accept he's saying put all of these on why because you are God's chosen ones you are holy you are beloved because of who you are in Jesus because your old self has been crucified with Jesus has been buried in the water of baptism and now you've been raised up with Jesus And after you've been resurrected with Jesus in your baptism, you are God's chosen ones. You are God's holy ones. You are God's beloved ones. You are holy. You are chosen. You are beloved. And because that's true, this is how you should live. There is a lifestyle attached to the resurrection. There's a lifestyle to believing in the empty tomb. If you believe in the empty tomb and you've adopted that death and that resurrection as your way of living, then this is what it looks like. Not only putting away things like sexual immorality and covetousness and impurity and wrath and anger and slander and malice, not only putting away those things, but also putting on as God's chosen ones, compassionate hearts, Kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another. Forgiving each other. And then he says in verse 14, above all of these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful now, think about that phrase for a second. He says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. That word rule means to, to call the shots, to be the one to decide what's right and what's wrong, what, what flies and what doesn't fly, what goes and what doesn't go. And it, it's not your desires that call the shots. If you believe in the resurrection, if you've adopted the resurrection of Jesus as your framework for living, to say, I'm going to put to death the things that are earthly in me and I'm going to live as one who is chosen and holy and beloved and who has been raised up with Jesus, then if that's going to be the case, then the peace of Christ rules in my heart. The peace of Christ is what gets to call the shots in my heart. Not my desires, not my pride, not my anger, not what I want, not what's pleasurable, not what's pragmatic, not what sounds good, not what seems wise, but the peace of Christ. What would Christ have me to do? And you see the way that this would look in a church family. It's what I see in this church family is people who allow the peace of Christ to rule in their hearts. The peace of Christ is what gets to call the shots. Not my pride, not my fear, not my anger, not my ego. The peace of Christ rules in our hearts if indeed we've accepted and embraced the resurrection as our framework for living. Verse 16, are transformed. By what? By rules and regulations? By philosophy? By man-made, self-made religion? By asceticism and not doing anything that's pleasurable? No! These things can't bring about transformation of our words and deeds. What brings about the transformation is the word of Christ, the message of Jesus, the word of Christ, the knowledge of Christ, the peace of Christ, this is what brings about transformed living. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let the knowledge of Christ, let the knowledge of the creator renew you. And then when that's the case, then everything we do, And everything we say can have Jesus in it. Isn't that the goal? Isn't that the goal? That everything we do in word or in deed, we do in the name of the Lord. We do it as Jesus would do it. We do it as transformed people. But I I don't know about you, but I, I still have a ways to go in that, don't you? At crucifying and putting to death the things that are earthly in me. The desires in me that are earthly. Pride, arrogance, desire for pleasure, fear of death. So many things in me that are earthly and that need to be put to death and that I need to put on this way of living. And the only way to do that is to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And the way that happens is this. It's this, it's singing together and praying together and teaching each other and admonishing each other so that the word of Christ dwells in us richly and that word of Christ and that peace of Christ and that knowledge of Christ, it brings about transformation. It brings about this new and better way of living. So here's where I wanna land today. Resurrection renews our heart and reforms our life. Resurrection, not rules. Resurrection, not regulations. Resurrection renews our heart and reforms our life. This is what brings renewal. This is what brings transformation. Knowing the resurrection of Jesus, but then also embracing that and adopting that as our way of living, as our mental framework for everything that we do. When a desire pops up in our heart or a desire pops up in our mind, we say, can I do that? Can I fulfill that? Can I go there? Can I engage in that in the name of the Lord Jesus? Is this something that will bring glory to God? Is this something that I do in love? Is this something that makes the world and makes my family and makes my neighborhood better? Or is this something that belongs to my earthly nature, to my old self, something I need to put to death, something that I need to put off, something that I need to put away? Everything we do and everything we say, we have to run it through the filter. We have to run it through this framework and say, is this something that needs to be put to death or something that needs to be put on? Is this something that needs to be put off or is this something that needs to be put on? Is this a resurrected way of living? See, it's that. It's that way of living and that way of thinking, the resurrection of Jesus and your resurrection as those who have been buried with Jesus in baptism and raised up with him. It's this resurrection that brings renewal and reform to our lives. So that's why church, that's why your home and my home has to be a place where Jesus is preached. Because that's the only chance I have. That's the only chance our spouses have. That's the only chance our children have. That's the only chance our neighbors have of experiencing the life that Jesus has to offer is by preaching the gospel. And not just preaching philosophy, not just preaching rules, not just preaching regulations. That's why this congregation has to be a place where Jesus is preached. Because if we preach more rules than we do Jesus, we're not preaching the gospel. And those rules do not have the power to bring about renewal and reformation. The only thing that does is the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what is changing you. That's what can change you. That's what is changing me. That's what can change me. I still have a long ways to go and probably you do too. So let's preach Jesus. Let's let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. Let's let the word of Christ dwell in us richly and let's share that good news with our neighbors. Church, I know this is a strange time and I know it's a hard time but the only thing that will get us through this day or any day is our faith in Jesus Christ. Let us know how we can help you, how we can walk through this with you, how we can pray for you. We are in this together. Let's close with a prayer. Father God, we are so incredibly thankful for the hope that we have in Jesus. And Father, our lives, our lives need transformation. Our lives need renewal. Our lives need reformation. They need to be reformed. And we know, Father, that the only thing that can bring that about is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we pray, Father, that you help us to embrace the resurrection as our way of living. Help us, Father, to die to the things that are earthly within us and to be raised up to walk with Jesus in newness of life. Father, I pray that you bless us with faith and courage, with comfort, with strength, with health. And Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.